my dream, which I haven't seemed to realize yet, but it's to do a beer, cheese, and Geneva pairing, but a flight. Ooh. So you could try different styles of Geneva with different styles of beer with the different types of cheeses um, that can pair with them because all those do go really well together. Yeah. And for the record, you said cheeses, not, not Cheez-Its, because then I'm out. Correct. <laughs> correct. I'm out on Cheez-Its, it, too. If I'm going to eat cheese, it's real. Uh, Perfect. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why you guys are on the end of the table Not to go together. on that garbage path about yeah. Cheez-Its that... <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it because it's an old college joke reference. Whoa and I were roommates, and okay. I refused to allow Cheez-Its in our apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Even the white cheddar Cheez-Its? None. Cheez-Its were yeah. outlawed. I know. It's good. Which I... is a huge divergence from what we got going on here, but I'm <laughs> glad we went there. We're not pairing Cheez-Its with Geneva. <laughs> Already clinking away. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Always Parched. Uh, so today is a little bit of a follow-up on the last episode that we did. If And if for anybody that did not catch that last episode, which was only a couple weeks ago, we were talking a lot about um, the Arizona Cocktail Weekend, which is now currently taking place. We're right in the middle of it. So we're recording on a Sunday. Today's Sunday, right? Yeah, and when you yeah. hear this... It will no longer be Arizona Cocktail Weekend. True. Yeah. So we're not we're not promoting it necessarily, but we uh, thought we'd take the opportunity because the last episode we not only in addition to kind of talking about some of the events going on, we were kind of diving deep into one particular uh, brand called By the Dutch, and we did uh, taste tasting of the lineup. So this time we are fortunate enough to have the owner. Do I want to say is it owner? Is that a correct? Okay. I don't know if there's a different title, but uh, the owner of By the Dutch. I'm an owner, creator. director, creator. Uh, you the Dutch owner, word for creator. owner? Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, owner of By the Dutch, Yos, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to come in with the official pronunciation because I really am not, I don't want to butcher it. So, Yos, Yosh. All right. So, the way how to pronounce it is Jos, like a J-O-S. And uh, yeah, that's it. The Dutch name. See, yeah. I... I've already butchered it. See what happened? No, <laughs> it's okay. Jos Zonneveld. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it's Stroop Waffle, not Stroop Waffle. Learned that <laughs> about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Off mic lesson two. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, all the way here from the Netherlands, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, first of all, thanks a lot for being here because I got to say, we uh, <laughs> people are always asking me and I think all of us about just about the podcast. We tell them if I tell some friends or whoever, actually, yeah, I have a podcast. I talk about some of this stuff just because uh, it, it's total passion project. Just enjoy doing it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of slowly but surely gaining a little bit of uh, steam just in the sense that we get the opportunity to talk to people like you, people who are uh, who are the creators, the people like behind, behind the curtain a little bit, behind the scene, mm -hmm. uh, which is just an awesome experience for us. Uh, so for to have someone like you on is, is just a really cool opportunity. Yeah, I'm happy to be here and thank you for your time and hosting me here. Appreciate it. Yes, yeah. thank you very much for coming. So it's always fun to have uh, anybody in the industry come by and 
just drop the knowledge. I mean, we have Almendinger here is kind of our resident expert because Micah and I, we've never worked officially behind the stick. We've never... Um, Same here. Yeah. So no worries. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. And I appreciate you calling me the resident expert, but uh, I might get called out on this one <laughs> yeah. because now we've got the true knowledge. And uh, about to, I'm about to get fact checked. Yeah, it's, I was just gonna say there's gonna be a lot of fact check on the last episode. <laughs> let's get into it. Do it. Let's do it. All right. So let's just. I mean, we can just kind of jump right in to the background of the of of the brand itself before uh, we have the lineup again. Except last time uh, we did not have um, an aged Batavia Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll taste that a little bit today. So, um, and also just by way of reference, cause we might talk about it a little bit. We just came from an event, uh, hosted at undertow where you also gave like a presentation and there was a couple different sessions, I think where, uh, just cocktail enthusiasts and maybe some industry people, I don't know, we're, we're in there just to learn a little bit more about the product. Um, so we might reference that, that a bit. So we did do a little bit of a tasting there. That was kind of a neat experience because we also got to taste the PX cask. The um, limited edition. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. That, that is available specifically on Undertow, but we do have an aged uh, Batavia Rock here. But like I said, kind of going back to the brand itself, born in 2015, I believe that's what you said uh, on your presentation. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious what inspired you to kick off this line, to, to create this brand? All right. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, First of all, it all started with wine, basically, uh, back in 2009, uh, while I was uh, studying law here in Amsterdam, or not here in Amsterdam, in Amsterdam. And um, um, yeah, during my study, I wanted to, to learn myself to, uh, to create my own company, uh, how to build a website, uh, and how to sell products over the internet. So I built a website myself, and I knew a guy who was importing wines. So I basically listed these products on the website and yeah there I go and I sold wine over the internet one year later in 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 2010 and 11 I basically started to import my own wines and uh, but yeah then I graduated and yeah you are studying law to to do something with it you know so um, (laughs) I started with an internship at an international law firm and after that, I did another internship at a smaller size law firm uh, where I did labor law, basically. Mm. And um, yeah, I really missed the fact that I was um, having my own business, you know, and the freedom to do whatever I want and uh, to build, actually build something. And so I basically quitted my job and um, I went back to the wine business at first. It was around 2012, I believe, and I started to uh, to work in the wine industry. And I sold actually my website uh, where I was selling to the consumers, but I basically helped the wine producers and brew some breweries and some uh, distilleries with export to Scandinavia. And in Scandinavia, in Finland, Sweden, and Norway, they have that kind of crazy monopoly system where the government buys alcoholic products. Anything about above three or four or five ABV um, must be purchased by the government, and all the stores in those countries are owned by the government. So they are publishing a tender for that, and I'm working on on that kind of business. So I'm helping producers to get their product listed in these countries. So 
um, and I saw actually that the products and the spirits there were not really represented from the Netherlands. There was a lot of product there, a lot of international products, well-known brands, but not really anything from the Netherlands. Well, we have such a rich history in distillation and liqueurs. Um, so I thought, okay, let's create a brand called By the Dutch and spread that uh, heritage, that Dutch heritage we have. And um, so I started off in 2015 with the Geneva, and that was basically the starting point of By the Dutch. Yeah. And so one thing, I'm going to back up real quick. <laughs> I feel like we did not appropriately introduce someone else that's I here because just, you were yeah. you were talking about like you were you know trying to help producers and that how the government buys the product. And I was just thinking, oh, well. Worst Nikki was, I know, worse ever. ever. But Nikki was up taking pictures, and I, so she wasn't in my direct line of sight. So I'm going to blame it on that. Uh, we also have another guest here, uh, Nikki Price. So you are you bring in the product, correct? Correct. Okay. So we import products um, to America, and then we work on the branding and selling uh, across all the states. So we like to say we navigate uh, the 50 states. So we kind of have like the whole chain represented here a little bit exactly. from the creator <laughs> to Sir. yeah importer to the distributor and here in Dinger. Of across, we are in across the pond. So yeah, we're going to have some miscellaneous noises that we wouldn't normally have, <laughs> but it really does bridge everything because we are also at a location that would, you know, be Sir. the end result of yeah. the entire process. It's yeah. like uh, not quite cropped table, but we're <laughs> in that realm, sort of. Yeah. We have the three tiers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's. So, thank uh, you both for coming. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I thank feel you. Really, really bad about that, by the way. <laughs> and thank you, Joshua James, for letting us use your right. uh, location. That's right. Um, I totally forgot what I was going to say for the next thing. Um, <laughs> You're just too shamed. <laughs> I, I really was just like, Jesus. So, you know. Oh, what I was going to touch on, because this obviously kind of uh, hits a special place for me, is I, it's real interesting that it used to be in law, because like I'm by day, you know, I, that's what I do. I'm, I'm an attorney, and uh, and I just I always get the question randomly about, because people that I, friends and stuff, know that I love the cocktail industry, and just that I'm all about trying different spirits and all this stuff, and I'm, typically I'm the one doing my best to educate them, which is really just a filtered basics from whatever Dinger tells me most of the time. But um, uh, but yeah, so I think it's super interesting how you started off in law for, I think, would you say four or five years and then decided to just pick up and, and start something entirely new. So that's inspiring. I'm not yeah, going to, I love my doing? job. I love my job. <laughs> and I'm going to probably stick with the law. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's really, that's a really neat transition that i don't think we hear of yeah to me that's very like living the dream <laughs> so what did we start off here we've all got a glass so we started with gin just because of the progression of the spirits in uh, i guess stylistically mm -hmm. right but yep. uh the first one you know we just spoke of the first item on of the brand was the jennifer and historically jennifer came before gin so um I, you would think to 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 drink uh, with the timeline, but in this case, for the purpose of your palate, we're going to start with the gin, 
Um, and then we can go into the history of you know how these things evolved and what Jennifer is the regulations because one thing I don't think I mentioned is that there's reg there's government regulations on how these things can be produced exactly yeah 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 although last time we talked about how the avocado is supposed to be a uh, lubricating for the vocal cords so you know you know I don't last time we said we should have started with avocado woke up this morning <laughs> thinking I'm for sure starting with that because after the cocktail carnival last night I had about half of a voice <laughs> I immediately thought about the avocado and how that's going to help but we should have started with avocado coffee yeah there's coffee nice cold cocktail. brewing it so yeah. Yeah. yeah I saw that post it looked so good it and divine and I love the advocate, which it's obviously the first time I've had something like that because it's not common around here. It's hard to find on the shelves, but I love it. I, you've gained like a follower for life on this one. Okay, appreciate <laughs> so it. It's, um, I'm going to find the bottle and there's so many things I want to test and I know we're not there yet, but if from our last episode, I'm a believer and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I was drawn to it the whole time i think you should start an advocate facebook following page i'm going to start with the tattoo and then i'm going to social media <laughs> we will repost that on our social media right. then every arizona cocktail week will pay for like one or two people to get the advocate tattoo yes there we go <laughs> taking uh, funds now <laughs> got our idea for next year yeah there you go yeah let's cheers Cheers on Jen. Well, these are like real, real clean. <laughs> Last time we had little plastic ones. Cheers. So let me explain a bit more about our gin. Um, our gin is introduced in the year 2017 with the idea to make a timeline between the Geneva and the gin. So Geneva is basically the ancestor of gin. And we have made the gin... Um, staying close to our Dutch traditions, basically. So basically, normally, quite normal for a gin, you start with neutral, neutral alcohol, neutral grain alcohol. And we have decided to use eight botanicals in our gin, and each of them is distilled separately. So you, first you start to macerate your botanical for about 14 days before you distill that in a pot still. And we have done that for each botanical. So on the back side of the label, we have a small list with the eight botanicals. So we start with juniper, nutmeg, cinnamon, cardamom, bay leaf, which is in Dutch laurier. And uh, we have blood orange, coriander and lemon peel. So each of them, again, distilled separately and then blended together prior uh, bottling. The two exceptional botanicals here, according to me, is the bay leaf and the blood orange. So why do we distill everything separately? Um, basically be for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that some of the botanicals are seasonal, like the blood orange. So when the blood orange is coming in early spring, we basically distill for the whole year, so and we keep it for further productions. Secondly, you can do some better quality control. So each component can be checked before you blend them together. And then the third one, taste-wise, you can basically, if you are tasting the gin, you can find the layers back in your palate. So I would suggest to taste it. And let me know what you think, guys. Well, so in our, in our last episode, we talked a little bit about um, 
about the bay leaf specifically. Oh, yeah. And I th- and you even mentioned that uh, in the presentation you gave, I think that that is one thing that kind of should stand out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think, what was it called? Laurel or something? Yeah. Yeah, because last time nobody knew it. Well, Mike Dinger. and I didn't yeah. know what Laurel was. <laughs> <laughs> and Dinger had a explain about that that's just bay leaf um mm. but once he said that and when you were talking about it today also we were we were definitely get that on the back back yeah. of the tongue a little bit that's yeah good. It's, it's so, so far with the fact checking michael one yeah, yeah. <laughs> you nailed the bay leaf well, and michael <laughs> yeah, zero. yeah. Right, good so In an effort to be a little bit more prepared maybe than we usually are, <laughs> or at least I usually am, because uh, sometimes we're just trying to find times that we can really make work, and sometimes we're like, how about tomorrow? And then we don't always have the mo- – I'm not always the most prepared, but wanted to make sure, went back. I was looking at, at uh, the website. By the way, which the website and the bottling in particular uh, are awesome because of how much information you put on the bottle because I feel like it's pretty – that that is – kind of stands out from most bottles because most bottles don't have nearly as much information and i think it's really neat how you can learn a lot about the spirit itself based just on the bottle and then obviously you have more even more kind of rich history in the um on the website itself so yeah i don't think i've ever read a bottle cover to cover but i definitely (laughs) scan through all of yours and like Wo said on the website, very informative. Where it's not just learning about the brand, but just learning about spirits. I, I think that's it's it. It, yeah. something everyone should check out if they have the curiosity. I mean, that's the whole idea of of, of our packaging uh, to be educative, transparent, um, next to the quality, of course, of our spirits. We want we want people to know how it is distilled, where it is coming from, the history behind it, who is making it. And uh, yeah, that's it. This is kind of a vintage newspaper on the front and the back with little articles. Yeah, uh, exactly. And yeah. It definitely, it, I felt like I was opening the newspaper and I, I had stuff to learn and find out. So there's a little bit of malt spirit, if I'm correct, in this as well, right? Yeah. So um, what we have done with our gin is um, we have added a little bit of, of malt spirit to it, kind of the Geneva we have. Um, we call it uh, the Dutch touch to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it gives not only a bit of a more round, complex character to the gin, it makes our story complete as well. Yeah, yeah I had somebody uh, yesterday ask me uh, what makes us sweet. And so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of it is a little bit of the malt spirit it takes off that edge that I think most people are a little more used to in a mm-hmm. standard gin. And then potentially uh, the botanicals, right? Is there a certain botanical that might lend to it being a little sweeter? Yeah, the cinnamon, for example. And that was one of the debates we had in the last episode. I don't know. Where did you fall on that? Are you two for two or are you one for one? one, I'm going to give Josh that one because Josh made a comment about how he thought it tastes like there's some malt in it. Right. He thought it was like that there's, it's a, it's a a blend of Jennifer and gin or something. He he made some sort of comment like that. So Um, um, in America, I think uh, the way they label Geneva style here is a Geneva style gin or gin made in Geneva style, um, which is a little closer to a young style Geneva uh, because it, it does have a territorial classification. So you can't call it straight Geneva in America, um, but they're trying to do their own spin on it. Uh, so if you've had a, an American gin style Geneva, <laughs> <laughs> um, then you might pick up a little bit more of the malted spirit. 
And for clarification uh, or a little more explanation, malted spirit is malted barley, uh, some corn and rye, correct? Uh, and so that uh, is when we say malt spirit, it's those components that are added to this. Yeah. And we would call a weeded whiskey. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Or no, not a weeded. Because weeded. There's no, weed. no, no, there's no there, wheat. But, but a, like an, a white whiskey, like an unaged. Correct. Um, because um, of those components and, and it's. Yeah. Young. And that does. I mean, we'll get into it, I'm sure, when we talk about the, the Geneva, but that's what's so beautiful about Geneva, right? You have your scale that it could be very, very gin-like all the way to you think you're drinking a, a whiskey that has some botanicals in it. Yeah. Um, and that's what I love so much about this gin is that it really does beautifully blend all of those components together, but it's, uh, it still is a gin. Yeah. So it's very unique. Yeah, I'm a gin fan, but I especially like this one. And, and I wouldn't just say that because you're sitting right in front of me. I just wouldn't have said anything right now, but I do really enjoy this gin. All right. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Very simple gin and tonic with this one using Indian tonic. And then if it's blood oranges are in season, I have used it with not blood oranges. Um, using a navel orange works okay as well. Um, with a bay leaf, it actually does really bring these botanicals forward and not in an overpowering way. It, it's, they're still very soft and subtle, um, but it just enhances it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try that. that <laughs> I, I don't drink gin and tonics that often, but it's... This one's worth it. Yeah, this yeah. sounds amazing, especially the way you're describing it. So, um, so is the progr- what? What do you? What? Well, I'm looking at Dinger naturally because he's like the guy I would normally ask. But I'm going to ask you, Yos. Um, yeah, w- what would be the natural progression then? Do you think palette-wise, would you go to the Jennifer? Try that next. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You basically start up uh, quite neutral, and then you're trying to building up. Um, and the Advocate you taste uh, as the last one, basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the next one up will be definitely the Geneva before we are heading up to Batavia Arak. Okay. Uh, so Nikki's pouring us a little bit of the Geneva. Uh, I got a, this quote on your page I really liked. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember the context, but it said as a reference to kind of some of the origins of gin, it said, I promise you, when the Brits tried to copy good old complex Geneva, they finally ended up with the much more simple version they call gin. They just couldn't make Geneva. Hmm. <laughs> and that like that quote alone, for some reason to me, I was just thinking, oh, I just want to drink more Geneva now. Like, it just sounds good. <laughs> yeah. um, especially because some of the, um, the description on it, the marriage between whiskey and gin. Um, somebody recently was asking me, what is the big difference between Geneva and gin? And I... This that was I, I didn't come up with nearly as a succinct and kind of uh, eloquent description, but I really like that a marriage between whiskey and gin because that malt base mm. um, that you use in it, as well as the kind of more standard stuff that we would think of as gin. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm starting to become a, a real believer in Jennifer now. We don't I don't I haven't had a lot of experience with it. Um, we'll convert you completely. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Let's get another uh, click. Oh, sorry to cut yeah, you off. Sure, yeah, sure. No, yeah, no, no. Let's do that first. <laughs> Cheers. Oh, that's going to be good audio. <laughs> so I poured small, but I can pour more. <laughs> <laughs> so let me talk a bit more about Geneva. Yep. Um, so as you said, I mean, Geneva is, uh, is a malt spirit. And um, if, you, if you look at the base of a Geneva... 
it's kind of like a, a white whiskey. And um, as Nikki just just explained, it's like equal proportions corn, malted barley, and rye, and uh, it's triple distilled in a low head pot still. These pot stills are quite similar to cognac uh, stills, actually. Um, and that is, that's actually the base of a Geneva, the malt spirit base. And we call it in the Netherlands uh, malt wine, malt wine. But that's referring just to the, to the malt spirit um, as such. So th- that is the base of a Geneva. From that base, we are taking just a portion from that base to redistill it with juniper berries. And that, that's what we are saving as a component for, blend, for later on blending. And that specific component with redistilled juniper berries is called in Dutch gebeide. It's not possible. You can drink that pure, but it is quite harsh. It's like a single juniper desolate, basically. Uh, we save that for further blending. Another uh, part of the malt spirit base has been taken to redistill it with botanicals. And that specific part is called korenwijn. And some brands are carrying that as a single product. It's like whiskey-like with a rich botanical flavor in, in it. Mm. Um, but it is, uh, it is not really that popular. So it's very quite difficult to get your hands around that. Um, but we, we save that for blending as well. And then for our Geneva, we have taken another part of that malt spirit base. And we distill that again with nothing, just to get a higher ABV, a, nu- a more neutral component. So then we have four components, the malt spirit component, the juniper berry component, the botanical component, and uh, a bit of neutral component. Four components, and that's what we are blending together. And then it is depending on the recipe, whether you go for a young style Geneva, old style Geneva, or a 100% malt spirit Geneva. Um, coming to our Geneva, we have an old style Geneva. Uh, the reason I say style is that old is not referring to age, barrel aging or whatever. Um, it is referring to uh, the, the date of the recipe. This is an old style recipe. It's a pre-Second World War recipe. And young Geneva is a post-Second World War recipe. Um, so the reason that young Geneva came up is basically due to the lack of grain. During the war, all the grain available went to bakeries for food and not to the distilleries, or a less amount of grain went to the distilleries. And Priorities were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, as a distillery, you can either shut down and, yeah, I don't know, stop your production, or you can just take whatever you get and distill with less amount of grain. And that is Young Geneva. So the proportions of the grains went down and it became more neutral. So if you look at, uh, at the law, European law, the Dutch law for making Geneva, um, from 15% and up, it's old Geneva. Uh, below the 15% mark is young Geneva. So you have young Geneva from 1% up to 15 and old Geneva from 15 up to 100 and um, that's how we differenti- differentiate uh, the, the two styles, basically. Right. There's a, sugar is allowed in Geneva, correct? Yes, yeah. Sugar is allowed, um, basically 10 grams for young Geneva as a maximum, and for old Geneva, 20 grams. Right, but that's up to the distiller's discretion, yeah. how much, correct? Yeah, that's Within it. the laws. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. 
Um, for our Geneva, we have just just a touch of uh, sugar in it, 2.1 grams of liter per liter. Um, but there are also some Geneva brands who are more going up to that maximum. It's kind of a decision you need to, to make as as a producer. Yeah. So. Our Geneva is an old style Geneva. We have 17% of malt. It's just 2% above the uh, minimum requirement to name your product old Geneva. Um, and what we want to do with our Geneva is we want to, to reach out to consumers who are not familiar with the Geneva category. Um, so outside Netherlands and Belgium, uh, people don't know much about Geneva or either the existing of Geneva. So we want to educate them and we want to provide them a Geneva which is uh, accessible, approachable and that they are not blown away by the malt. And um, so yeah, so that's what we have in our class. So I, <laughs> I would say just to enjoy it. To enjoy <laughs> it. Yeah, so in terms of um, consumption, in the Netherlands we, we tend to drink it um, neat alongside your beer. The older generations are uh, kind of um, taking it as a shot with the Heineken beer or Kohl's or any other brand, but Pilsner. Um, but nowadays, with the newer generation coming up, they are kind of pairing Geneva with craft beer. And they are kind of on the hunt to find their best, best match. For example, our Geneva, I prefer that a lot with a porter beer to, ma to match it up. A porter? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, when you when you take a sip of your beer and then your Geneva and then you wash it over with your beer, the flavors are starting to become a bit nutty, uh, hazelnut, and it's quite pleasant actually. So there's a full new experience coming up for Geneva. If you look at outside Netherlands or Belgium, they are kind of making cocktails with Geneva, and Martinez or Negroni um, are kind of cocktails you can you can uh, you can find back, um, but also. Uh, Collins is a kind of a classic cocktail. That was one thing for me. I think I was having some trouble working with it uh, because in my mind you see it and it is, uh, it, it's clear like a gin, but definitely is more reminiscent of, of an, a young whiskey or something like that, an unaged whiskey, just because I, it, when I was trying to just sub it in for some things for gin, it. I wasn't it wasn't really working that well but and then you actually mentioned earlier today that that you should not just try to force it into a, a, a classic gin cocktail it's actually a little bit probably more uh, reminiscent of of a whiskey and maybe could be subbed into a whiskey cocktail um, exactly yeah yeah it's quite dangerous to mix it for example with a tonic uh, it's not. I mean, people are unpleasantly surprised. <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't know if you meant like physically or. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you expect kind of if you mix. Uh, when people expect a gin, which is not Geneva is not gin, then when they add a tonic to it, the malty notes notes are quite dominant in your in your cocktail. So. I would say no to a tonic when mixing it with a Geneva. Maybe there are some exceptions, uh, some tonic brands with, I don't know, uh, with, with might, which might work. Um, so if you want to keep it simple, a gin tonic is a simple cocktail. Um, take a ginger beer, for example, or a ginger ale, and mix it with um, with Geneva on ice. 
is quite pleasant. The multi notes are uh, subtle in that drink. Uh, a Negroni is quite nice because Geneva is very matchable. Uh, it can, can be matched really well with Vermouth and Campari-like products. Um, and, other, and otherwise you take um, a simple cocktail where g g whiskey or bourbon is used and replace that with a Geneva just to try out. Um, something that we touched on already but very important to know is that uh, all Geneva does taste very different from one another, uh, a lot more than what you'll even experience in gin. In gin, you definitely taste different signature botanicals, but it's a lot more complex in uh, especially old-style Geneva's being that the sugar level difference, um, the botanical difference, uh, whether they're individually um, distilling or macerating the botanicals or doing it all together, uh, and then how much of that malt spirit, right? So it's really a, a wide range. So the fun part about it is doing flights is like unreal with the diversity. Uh, but definitely when you start trying Old Geneva, get gin out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the subconscious is super powerful. And the first time I had a Geneva was, uh, I was still doing accounting in this side of the industry. So I had, I was not very exposed to different types of alcohol or trying it. But you see Geneva and the first thing that pops into somebody's head is gin if they don't know. And I immediately hated it because in my mind I'm thinking something very different so I didn't actually taste it for what it is right you're subconsciously predisposed to thinking it's going to be tasting something different kind of like if you're going for water but you accidentally grab a glass of milk or something you know <laughs> it's like it's a shock yeah <laughs> So I recommend, it, you know, trying it with uh, an open mind and trying to have any sort of predisposition of what your thoughts are to it um, out of your head. And it's really great if you can possibly do a flight because then you figure out what you like. Um, kind of slightly off topic, but maybe a good analogy is with Mezcal. Uh, Mezcal is pretty big in the state, to my understanding, and you can have espadine varietal from the same region and it can taste ridiculously different right and the the changes in varietals of agave and that's kind of how geneva is as far as the span of the differences between them probably even greater because you have a lot more play yeah i think you're right like uh just setting the expectation you know because i mean again when i was just first trying it even just going to the store it's next to the gin like, and then it's right. looking the label itself, Jennifer versus gin looks, um, is it looks slightly longer than gin. Like it's, yeah. it's clear like gin, like you just immediately start playing with gin stuff in your mind. And like you said, it does not, it, it really does not lend itself to the same, right. same type of anything really with it, the same flavors, the same, um, combinations, anything like that. So, right. Uh, a young style gen Geneva, you'll yeah. find closer to the gin profile, um, but it's still different. I still think you should have an open mind so that you can actually fully taste all the components of it. If you're really thinking about something else, then you're not going to try it for what it is. Yeah, that's it. I do agree. And uh, within the portfolio of uh, price imports, there is also a brand called Notaris, which is much more uh, a heavier style of Geneva, going up to that 100% malt spirit. And it's a very different style, and, uh, but very good. And actually, the same distillery as we have with our Old Geneva. 
Yeah, um, that one is very much whiskey esque. They don't have any sugar in it. So it's fun to try them next to each other. And, and uh, when I've done that, I get different responses. Some people prefer the, the more whiskey one, or sometimes people are not quite ready for that. And that's what's beautiful about By the Dutch. It truly is an entry uh, way to the category, I think, for people because it's really light and you can taste the components and it's very soft. Um, the Notaris is an incredible product, but again, it's, it's like jumping to, if we're going to use the Mezcal's analogy again, like the Aracanio, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you want to, you kind of ease yourself in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Yos, I'm glad you brought up the other brand, the Notaris, because we, we touched on the, um, something on the last episode that I couldn't give a lot of depth to the, the, um, the program, but the Geneva Crusade and how all these brands are teaming together for the education. So, you know, bringing up another brand, not as a competitor, but as, you know, understanding the category as a whole with the stylistic differences. Yeah, we need to build the category, you know. There, the category of Geneva is not is non-existing. <clears throat> as you said, it is placed in a shop next to gin or in a gin shelf. And it doesn't need, it needs to be at another shelf, you know. So um, we need to build a category of Geneva on its own. Yeah, if at all. Like if you go to a big box store, you're not going to even find any and it might be by the gin section which the gin section is still maybe like one shelf worth mm -hmm. of things versus like 20 of vodka so even even gin as a category is tiny here let alone jennifer like it's yeah, yeah. but that Does brings it... up a point like maybe what in my sales efforts i should be recommending if people ask me where to put it you know or try to push it to be next to a whiskey section yeah absolutely because like you said before if you want a glass of water and you grab a glass of milk if they're in the store thinking they're going to get gin and then right. they get home well, and they try it it's going to do more damage to the category than yeah, yeah. right than it would to it's actually one of the reasons that on the front label here you can see smooth and malty as a profile mm -hmm. with big letters because I want to understand when you grab the bottle as a consumer that you understand it is a malt spirit. Right. I'm going to go home and edit all my marketing material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad we could help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's also kind of interesting just because I didn't know if the category itself was small and, you know, we're just now being introduced to it here in our market or if it's... Um, if it's a, or I should say, if the category is big and we're just being introduced, or if the category is just small and we're just, you know, slowly having them trickle in. Um, yeah. But I've, it is interesting to hear right. that it is kind of a smaller category in general. I, you may be able to correct me or, or add to this, but I believe uh, even in the Netherlands for a long time due to the wars, the old style Geneva was not being made. And in, in if you're looking at a time period, it's really more recent for the old Geneva to be redistilled yeah. again, correct? Yeah. The category of young Geneva basically exploded in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, and uh, because it was cheaper, so um, it basically ruined the category of Geneva on its own. But in the Netherlands, and now slowly, bit by bit, we are taking that up and making sure that all Geneva and the the better kind of Genevers are are out there and promote it. So what you can see is actually, it's kind of fun. Um, there are a lot of gin brands there. Young people in a marketing business started their own gin brand and they are now going to look for Geneva. So that's kind of fun to see. There's a movement from gin to Geneva. Yeah. When Yo says young people, he refers to himself too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, that that is funny. Just because I I told you this earlier, Yos, but I just from what Dinger had mentioned, just knowing a little bit about the fact, uh, a little bit about your history, having been worked as an attorney and then moved into this um, field. I just was expecting somebody older, and I saw you, and I was like, "This guy's younger than me." What's going on? Gosh, I took that decision quite uh, early, so. Uh, um, living the dream, like Micah said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of an off question, aside from just uh, uh, from the various spirits in general. How is the cocktail scene in um, the Netherlands? Uh, you've mentioned some of like the things you would use it in, and they seem kind of uh, really easy, real straightforward. Is that because you're just looking to highlight the spirit itself? You know, be, whether it be like a gin and tonic or um, you know, Jennifer straight uh, with a beer, or is it? Or is it just, I don't know, how is the cocktail scene? Is it not? Because we just came from Undertow, and now we're at Across the Pond and Clever Coy, and they have the extensive menus. Yeah. They have cocktails that have six, seven, eight ingredients. Is that yeah. very common in the Netherlands also? They have places like that? Or is it a little bit more straightforward, let's say? It is a, a little bit more straightforward. We do we do make sure that the, the flavors are there. Um However, however, I need to say that um, the cocktail industry in the Netherlands is an upcoming industry. So we are working on it and more cocktail bars and bartenders are, are doing a really good job winning some competitions uh, and traveling, doing guest shifts. And so we are working quite hard to, to, to be out there and to have the cocktail industry to the next level. But if you look at... Um, at, at America or the UK, then we are we still need to take some steps. Yeah, definitely. Well, the one of the cocktails that they served at the event that we just came from was that had I think several ingredients in it was very tasty and it used your Batavia Iraq. Um, the limited edition. Uh, was yeah. it? Did they use there their was the limited cask one? But it's, this a, guy it's a classic punch, I know, right? punch <laughs> recipe. <laughs> that calls for Batavia Rock and, and I think it's a great transition because this is, speaking of cocktails, a really fun one to use in cocktails. Um, you know, I think you got to play with it. You got to work with it because, you know, I guess it could be tough when you're first getting into to making it in cocktails, but once you find that right one, it's some good drinks. So, so now we have the Batavia Rock in front of us, the yep. unaged Batavia Rock. Correct. The white one. Yes, the Correct. white ones. So you would say white over unaged, or can you still say unaged? Because it does sit in barrels. Yeah, yeah. But the, the intention of um, of that is basically to let the spirit rest mm -hmm. uh, instead of providing flavor from the wood. Right. Um, and so. using teak wood because that's just what is available to yep. build yep. these tanks to rest in not for the purpose of flavor exactly right. actually um, if you look at the trading history and um, when we didn't have steel tanks to transport Batavia rock or any other goods we also used teak but to uh, transport Batavia rock and that might be one of the reasons that Batavia rock around 1700 1750 was a luxurious uh, product because when you travel on boat by boat in a wooden barrel, in this case teak, 
it is moving in a barrel all the time on sea for a long period of time. And that's extracting a lot of flavor to the liquid. So by the time it reaches Europe or Netherlands, you have a heavily barrel-aged Batavia rock due to the traveling time. And at that time, Batavia rock, the Indonesian rum, was considered as the most expensive rum at that time. It was uh, at London punch houses, the, mo the most expensive rum on the menu. Two times the price of cognac or uh, more expensive than Jamaica rum at that time. But then again, we had the prohibition and it kind of disappeared. Yeah. So, yeah, we are now tasting our basically just launched white Batavia Arak. Um, it has been rested in teak wooden barrels between 8 to 12 months. And, um, and then it is shipped to the Netherlands, to Amsterdam, where we do the blending prior to bottling. So as Michael just mentioned, punch is one of the um, directions you should definitely go. Um, but you can mix it for, uh, in a daiquiri, uh, matching really good. Um, an Arak sour, uh, we have made a bunch of recipes. But I guess when you taste it pure as a bartender, your, your creative brain is exploding. I mean, you can do so much with white Batavia rock due to his flavor profile. And I, I'm excited because tonight is Top Bars. Obviously, by the time <coughs> this gets published, um, it, Top Bars will be You're over. too but, late. Yep, way too late. But, but I'm excited <laughs> to go check it out because I know that Josh, James from here at Across the Pond and Clever Koi is going to be, their two drinks are going to be featuring some of your product, one Batavia rock and then the other one with, I think, a rock and the yeah, Abdekot. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, I'm, I'm pretty excited to try those um, because I, he makes some really good drinks and these products by themselves are really tasty. So yeah, yeah. Uh, someone was kind enough to whip up a drink yeah, we of do sorts. I, I, what, what do we got over there, Dinger? This is Josh's feature for tonight. Oh, we get a sneak so, peek, huh? So this is, um, Josh wanted to do, you know, the most classic cocktail that you would find with avocado is called a snowball. Um, which is just avocado, lime juice, lemonade, and soda water, correct? Yeah, or soda lemonade. Soda lemonade. Um, so Josh wanted to do kind of his modern take on that while adding the Batavia Iraq because he likes a challenge mm -hmm. and um, bringing in kind of the theme of, of his restaurants being Asian fusion uh, with uh, dai dai vinegar, yuzu, uh, and kind of making his own Asian lemonade. So, if you want to try. It's quite nice looking, I'll tell you that. Oh, now we're just making mm -hmm. a mess. Mm. I'm going to have to wash this now. <laughs> oh, whoops, I think I had some Batavia in there. This is going to be <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't hurt. <laughs> right? So, while we're pouring this, then another thing I wanted to bring up was at uh, you did kind of a special... Um, special bottling at undertow here in the valley uh so a px carry sherry cast batavia rock uh which i think you mentioned was nine years was that what am i saying am i remembering that correctly dinger or by the time it was bottled it was a little more than nine yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah so basically what we did is we took our uh, aged batavia rock at full strength 
and we have um, we have done a PX sherry cask finish on that for uh, 12 13 months approximately and um, and undertow uh, purchased a full cask yeah, and we uh, we have just uh, done uh, the just event for that yeah. yeah yeah so that's you know the next thing we try uh, after the white teakwood batavia rock is the aged batavia rock in their portfolio which is or in their line which is aged eight years in a mix of bourbon casks and scandinavian uh, slovenian slovenian ex red red wine cross yeah. yeah nailed it yep <laughs> that one that point to yosh for that one <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything, uh, did, I don't know if you, did you seek out doing any kind of uh, like collaboration out here with like Undertow or Arizona in general? Was it, did Nikki bring it? I was just curious how like this all yeah. came about because uh, I think you mentioned you're traveling here from the Netherlands along with one or two other places and I didn't know. You know, are we just super special or? Of course. Yes. <laughs> Knew it. I've, I had seen a post of a little trial that they had done uh, with the Sherry Cast finish um, on their aged Batavia arc. So I immediately had asked if there's an opportunity for us to get some. And I think there was a yes, and I still wasn't really sure because it just <laughs> takes a while and you move forward. Um, and then uh, along the way, we were told that there was some being aged for us. And on a, a work trip with Pacific Edge, I was asked if there was anything that we had that was special in cask offering. And so, of course, I brought this up. And I, at this point, I had no clue when we were actually going to get it. <laughs> so I was... It was worked out perfect. Um, so that's when uh, Michael had brought up uh, Century Grand and their opening and their retail shop. And uh, so we got samples over here. And the samples that, that uh, Century Grand had uh, sampled wasn't even the, close to the finished one, right? I think we said it was three or four months younger than what is actually bottled for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so the... The whole thing was in the works before we actually knew an ETA. <laughs> it's pretty cool yeah. and super special. Yeah, it's a kind of a process. I mean, there are a lot of steps to take because we, for the finish, we have used a Danish company who is specialized in doing different finishes on rums. And they are good friends of mine, so they helped us out. And we had this little 40 liter casks. Uh, we purchased for that second filling because first we did the European launch, so we did another filling for the US. And then it needs to come back to us. And um, for Undertow, we had done a special cask with a special label, but there are also some more accounts where we have sold the cask to with their uh, own label on it. So it was a lot of steps in the production to take in order to get it here. Yeah, there, uh, it's bottled at cast strength. Um, it was bottled 59%? 59.5, yeah. 59 ABV, yeah. That's pretty strong, strong punch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what's what's really special about it is it's, you know, we tried doing uh, the full cast sales. So there's really only a few places, um, five to be specific in the whole U.S. that you could get uh, this at all. And then of course they're each different cast offerings, right? So if you are sitting uh, anywhere near Arizona. This is your only place. Otherwise, you got to fly quite a ways no. <laughs> to get a yeah. bottle. So <laughs> yeah. I guess I should walk over from my house yeah. and yeah. go pick up a bottle. You're very lucky. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
Uh, but that's that's really cool. That's neat to hear that. It, well, one, it's kind of you know, the exclusivity, but also just how how it's how it's being introduced here. You know, and it, because this, undertow, yeah. I know you know this it, was a start. Yeah, yeah, it's a great you, spot, and so for it to be in there in, in some of their um, cocktails, I'm sure will get some people asking questions about it for sure. It, it definitely did. We we got a, a number of people that were bummed that they didn't they didn't get their own cast. So hopefully in the next couple of years we'll get a, another offering and we'll we'll see how it goes. But it's pretty pretty exciting. I guess I'll lay out the however much it is. Yeah. <laughs> Keep a bottle at home. We're gonna try to up the price every time so oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> We're going to try this ultimate branding thing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, something on the Vitavia Arc, maybe as we pour the aged one to touch on, is uh, I often see that people talk about it being uh, red rice that is added to the fermentation. But the clarification, if I'm correct, is actually a yeast that's grown on red rice, not the red rice directly, correct? Exactly, yeah. So rice is not an ingredient, uh, not considered as an ingredient, but it's basically used as a kickstarter for the fermentation. So yeast strengths grown on red rice is basically used as that kickstarter for the molasses. Yeah. And what makes it special is that this type of wild yeast, that's actually creating a lot of different flavors than you are used to with in traditional rum. So it gives some funk to it and um, some different layers in your palate. So it's definitely unique in this yeah. sense. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things from your lineup here. It's like Jennifer is adjacent to gin, but not the same thing and then like the batavia rock is adjacent to what people are used to for rums but not quite there and then obviously the avocado is like a liqueur but probably not anything you've ever had before so it's like if you're going into a big box store you just need your own section of <laughs> stuff because it doesn't match up exactly with people's expectations yeah. and i think that's really cool so buy the dutch own category exactly yeah. <laughs> Dinger, get to and work. And that's why the uh, <laughs> that's why there's so much education on it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because everyone would totally to em embrace a lot about. of yeah different things. It's just the education part, getting in front of people and getting them excited. Like, I wouldn't normally be excited by an egg liqueur, but now <laughs> that I know about it and sampled it, I'm gonna push it on everyone. All right. You're going to be the walking billboard with that I tattoo. Yeah. 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 Well, you don't gonna know where he's going to have the tattoo. So. I'm going to go full Post Malone and it's going to be right on my face. <laughs> so the products, they all clearly seem to have like strong ties uh, to the Netherlands or, you know, some kind of Dutch influence historically. Um, is there any other product kind of on deck or anything like that that would that is would tie into this type of portfolio or are you kind of still focusing on these and maybe doing some variations like with the casking of the iraq or anything like that yeah i mean we just launched the white potato rock so for the moment we are we are quite fine and yeah from from time to time we will do a limited edition uh definitely but we have no idea and there, there are a lot of options to to uh to take, you know, there are a lot of Dutch influencers from different areas in the world where they make very good spirits. So in the future, there will definitely be some 
interesting products coming up, but uh, for the moment we try to focus on what we have here and do some limited editions on that. Yeah. Well, they're really good. And I'm so I'm tasting the uh, aged um, Iraq now, and I think I mentioned this in the last episode because Dinger brought a little sample of um, not this, but some sort of aged Iraq. I can't remember exactly what it was. What was it? It, the limited edition. It was, the limited it was edition a, one, but not exactly. Prior to okay, bottling. right. So when I taste the white one, I think it's really interesting, and I immediately start thinking, "Oh, I would try this in a couple different cocktails." When I taste any of the aged ones, I'm, my first thought is just to taste, just to drink that on its own. <laughs> like it's just very, very tasty. I could just drink that neat, neat yeah, easily. Yeah. You can try the aged Batavia Arc is in a, an old fashioned or Manhattan as well. Um, and oh yeah, that'd be good. Very interesting, right? With the the nice little ester and congener yep. influence in there. Um, yeah, it's it's a really fun old fashioned. And somehow it attracts uh, whiskey drinkers for our H Batavia Rock. Uh, it seems to uh, they like it a lot somehow. So yeah, we had uh, a little happy hour last night and did it in a, a form of a boiler maker. Um, but then the, the coolest part about it was uh, we it was also paired with some oysters that they made here at Across the Pond. And after you shoot the oyster, you then fill the shell with some of this aged Batavia and take it down. And that brininess, yeah, the way that it really blend yeah. meshed everything together was umami flavors. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It almost made it creamy in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I guess now if we could maybe move on to the yeah, advocate. Last but not least. Yeah, um, yeah. Voice and back. Yeah. Right. A nice little thing too, if you have a little bit of the um, Iraq still in your glass, my my favorite little home sipper is actually <laughs> a little bit of the age, just a touch, like very small touch with the advocate over ice. Is like that much. Yeah, that actually might be too much almost. Oh, all right, well, we're going to take a sip then. <laughs> because the, there is a, a very pronounced flavor compared to the very soft egg liqueur that we're about to try. Um, but I just, you know, when I'm cooking, it's my little mixer. <laughs> I just want everyone else to pour theirs, and I'm just going to put a straw in the bottle <laughs> and go from there. So a little storytelling about the Advocaat. Um so Advocaat is a traditional egg liqueur from the Netherlands and it is based on egg, both the white as the yolk, sugar, brandy, a little bit of rosemary and vanilla. It is bottled at 20% ABV and comparing with typical Dutch Advocaat liqueurs, this version is a bit thinner. So you can actually pour it out from the bottle. So there's a there's a lot of Dutch avocado liqueurs in the Netherlands. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are producing millions of bottles per year for advocate. But actually, that's a thick version with uh, a very thick opening on top of the bottle, and basically they are spooning it out as a dessert with a bit a bit of whipped cream on top oh, wow. of it. Right. They call it. Uh, I guess a, a slogan is custard in a glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and it a. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's had its like ups and downs here, but I think all over uh, the UK it's also really popular. Anytime I've met somebody from London, they know the the snowball. Yeah, 
but as a cocktail. So yes, not, that's true. Yeah. That's true. As so a cocktail. outside the Netherlands or kind of overseas, it is well known or maybe not well known for the younger generations, but well known as a classic cocktail named Snowball. And that was uh, very popular in the 60s, 70s and in the 80s. Um, just to drink it, um, um, as you mentioned, Michael, with a little bit of lime juice, uh, a lemon soda, like a Sprite or a bitter lemon, uh, topped over with Advocaat, ice and just stir. And that's a very simple but a classic cocktail. And um, yeah, there are a lot of different variations you can, uh, you can do on that. Yeah. You have a champagne snowball and what we just tasted here for Tops Bar, it's a very nice expression. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about this is that it actually plays really well into a large uh, array of cocktails. So last night we did an Advo coffee mm -hmm. uh, yeah. with Stumptown cold brew, the Advocat, uh, some coconut water, and yep. by the Dutch classic bitters. Uh, so it also a little lower on the ABV because this sits at 20% mm -hmm. uh, alcohol by volume. So, and it was very creamy and nice. It lightens up beautifully in a cocktail, even though it's slightly thicker in a glass, uh, a little more consistency like a cream liqueur, but there is no cream in this. Or you, when you start doing a little more spritz or effervescence in it, it thins out and it lends to a very, very beautiful texture. So it, it really can morph into various ways. Uh, if you use key lime in the snowball, it tastes exactly like key lime pie. And it seems to integrate really well because we've had the drink that was given us a while ago. Right. And you would think with something that just seems so creamy and thick that it would start to separate in a weird and unpleasant way. I've definitely had some drinks like that, but that is not the case here. So. Right. And I won't do it in hot coffee either. Yeah. So I'm dairy intolerant, but I can have this. Nice. <laughs> not tolerant dairy. Yeah, this is definitely going to be added to my weekend lattes. I have lattes and then weekend lattes, which have... <laughs> Booze, like so, Bronca Menta is definitely a weekend latte. I do a lot of ginger bitters, and um, uh, here's where he's trying to get back sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a plan to mine. I'm not just dumping vodka in my coffee to get catch a buzz. It's like, mm -hmm. and this quiet over there would be awesome for it. In it, it's a new one. Yeah. yeah. So any questions people have about um, stabilization or, uh, you know, how they disinfect it. Uh, initially, they do use a really high spirit uh, neutral uh, brandy, right? And they use that and integrate with the egg. So that disinfects anything and also stabilizes the egg. Uh, so it uh, is totally fine to consume if there's any doubts. So then open a bottle year from now it's all right to still use <laughs> unless it is stored at a high temperature right. then it starts to basically to you, you see some particles in it like orange particles but so you need to store it at the right conditions like room temperature and below then you are fine so don't keep your bottle in your car at a hot <laughs> summer yeah when it's <laughs> like 150 degrees yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in your summer or uh, in your car during the summer do you think it would be scrambled eggs as it comes in yeah. oh yeah because there was that record heat here that you guys had and people were like making eggs on the sidewalk oh yeah that's so maybe you, you could, could do that all the time car, 
sidewalk. So next time, maybe try to scramble some advocate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you? Do you think your counsel will let you? bring this to the courtroom before you <laughs> yeah. serve everybody an auto yeah. coffee first <laughs> let me uh let me just yeah. clear my throat here yeah. real quick yeah <laughs> judges judges love when you take a shooter before the yeah <laughs> exactly but if you show them that it's called advocate they're right they're gonna oh, be fine yeah. with it. this is your drink this yeah it's for you yeah exactly <laughs> which is funny because i think i had the most reservations about this when we first tasted it um Micah, I think, typically is the one that will initially take some getting used to. I mean, we mostly base that off. Well. I'm the most skeptical and very picky, but I was yes. on board 100% right instantly. away. Yeah. I know. <laughs> he just dove right in the deep end, and I was surprised. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was more of like, I want to see an application in a cocktail. I want to taste a little bit more with something. Um, it just took a little bit of getting used to for me. I don't know. But uh, you, first of all, yeah. this with a little bit of a, you're right, with a little bit of the aged rock in the bottom of the glass and pouring that on it that was very good so yeah. i'm already you've already pushed the needle over the edge I'm, I'm already good to go i'll definitely get a bottle but but i will be well i guess this is the cocktail i didn't even taste it actually uh, this is the cocktail that josh is serving tonight at top bars one of yep, one of one of the his, two yeah. his modern and asian fusion snowball so that has equal parts, the white Iraq and the Advocat, but you could see even with having equal parts of that, uh, it really thins out nicely and lends to such a beautiful texture, and it's a very enticing, uh, creamy-looking color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks great. So some people um, may lend towards eggnog, but it could very easily be such a refreshing you know, year-round cocktail. Mm-hmm. It's bright. Like, I don't, what is that, limer in it? or it's yuzu? Oh, okay. Yeah, it is bright, which is nice. Yeah. Especially if it were warm out, I could see that being really good. Yeah, and that's how you see the avocado in the cocktail application. It's not, if you drink it on its own or a thicker version or whipped with cream and you need a spoon, you know, yeah, that's one. But when you mix these other ingredients in, it's it's just great, great texture and, you know, adds really cool flavors to the cocktail. Yeah. yeah. Home applications, you could use this instead of making your own cream on glass. Or like if you see desserts and it has like that creamy base, you kind of already have it here with a little bit of alcohol added. Um, So it has a lot of different applications too. So I know sometimes people are like, egg, what? But you guys don't even realize you're eating egg all the time and your ice cream is basically a frozen custard, uh, which if you just put in the fridge, then you have custard or um, flan, you know, with some burnt sugar on it. Um, and cream and glass is commonly used as a drizzle over uh, desserts as well. Um, and then, of course, you could use this as a very simple, stabilized base to make your own, uh, like jumpstart your own eggnog as well if you want to go more festive for the holidays. Well, I think uh, I would speak for all of us when we say you got a whole lineup of winners here because I don't. there's nothing here that, that I would say does not surpassed standards of pretty much everything in its category i would say like i think the gin i really liked the way uh that bay leaf comes out uh it's just very everything i think i want simply and i don't we've talked about this i don't know if i'm just like a sucker for um suggestion but everything sounds so good the spirit itself is like is of high quality so this is really really good stuff um Thank you for this. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is great. And I, I got to say, like, we talked about it before, but I'm, it's all in front of me again. The, the story and everything on the bottle itself is just a very, very nice touch. Um, and this little, uh, there's that little, is that the guy you were talking about, Dinger? You were yeah. talking about some tiki guy or something. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? I have no we idea. We have it you embroidered it on right? the back of a jacket, really, oh, really what is, large. What is the significance of that? Yeah, so basically it is um, uh, has two meanings. So the first meaning is that this Batavia, white Batavia rock is very suitable for tiki-style cocktails as well. Another uh, meaning is that it is an Indonesian uh, rum. And in Indonesia they have these mosques, the Indonesian mosques from, from, made from wood. And so this little tiki man is representing both. And the color is red well by the dutch is written here in white which represents the the flag the color of the the colors of the flag of indonesia winner definitely <laughs> um unless you guys have more questions about the actual lineup itself because mine was going to be just completely the only other thing we didn't touch on was the bitters oh that's right well we haven't tasted or seen those i don't think oh. dinger didn't have a those yeah. to sample I, f- I forgot that you have is it three it's three. Okay. My shipping was one day off. Hmm. So, I think. <laughs> so now we know who to blame. But <laughs> highly, highly recommend those orange bitters. Uh, we get lots and lots of compliments on those. I think that's, you said also internationally, that's your best seller. Yeah. Very concentrated in that orange flavor. Really unique. Yeah. Comes out beautifully. Um, ginger is a higher proof. Yeah, so I'm going to be really picking up that one. That one really comes <laughs> comes through. As I've stated, the weekends go by. I go through a lot of ginger bitters, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need a replacement. Yeah, and then the aromatic. Nice. So, yeah, great line. Yeah, I'll have to try them. Haven't seen them, but I will definitely yep. check them out. Um, definitely. So generally speaking, how are you liking Phoenix? This is your first trip to Phoenix, correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I love the weather, first oh, well. of all. <laughs> that's it's a the good first time, time to be here. Yeah, that, by the way. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the time beautiful. Of the year. Yeah. <laughs> it is very, very nice out. And it's like, I think, a, unseasonably just a touch warmer yeah. than it normally would be. Okay. But because uh, February can still be a little chilly. But I mean, February, March, April, yeah. like, particularly February, March is right. Yeah. Spring's a good time for us. Yeah. Yeah. Don't come back in August. No. <laughs> Actually, Michael just suggested that this is the best time for supplier visits to, to, to come up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's uh, kind of uh, joking, but I don't know. But, uh, I think Hutch is rubbing off on you. Yeah. <laughs> I do tell them all that. Yeah. Um, Everyone Marcus, loves 180 Oh, yeah. 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 Mar- yeah, Marcus from uh, Sweden. Yeah, he was dying because it was actually I think it reached in the 90s that week. Yeah, which wasn't bad for us. It right, kind of great. But yeah. but he said, "Come on, this, I'm coming from Sweden. We have two different types of coats. We have our winter down coat and our summer down coat. It's just <laughs> a thinner, gosh. lighter down." <laughs> so he was he was warm. Yeah. <laughs> so have you had a opportunity to? check out the city at all or have you mostly just been working and bouncing around doing uh, events and stuff mostly working but we, we we were driving around so i have seen quite some of the city so yeah we visited some bars and some restaurants so i, I have seen some i don't know i've never been to the netherlands so i don't i wouldn't know we don't have mountains <laughs> <laughs> everything is flat yeah that's it um 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, I hope you're enjoying your stay. It's it Absolutely. is yeah, yeah. It, it is a great time of year to be out here. Obviously, uh, avoid the summer when you can. But yeah. No, I'm absolutely thankful for Michael and his team to hosting me here and Nicole and they're helping me a lot. So to have a better understanding of the city and the state and how everything is working here, you know? Yeah. It's very important to me. Then my only other question was, how do I get out of the law and into <laughs> owning my own... Bra- no, I'm not really. <laughs> uh, well, you have step one down. You're a lawyer. Yes, I know. I've knocked that out, which is probably the hardest part. Um, so you know how to do all the paperwork. Yeah. Or you know how to figure it out. I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess I'm I might as well just keep being a lawyer. I'll just keep drinking. Uh, No, what's funny is I've I've gotten the question before from uh, people always ask me, like, when are you going to, jokingly, maybe tongue in cheek, like, when are you going to quit your job and open up your own cocktail spot. And I was just thinking, you know, that is just such a significant departure from probably how I view cocktails right now, which is, I just think it's a lot of fun. I like to go home and mess with stuff. I mean, to leave or to, to do it in from a business perspective and start taking on, you know, uh, worrying about financials yeah. and owning and all this stuff. It, it's it, like you're a booze grandparent. You get all the upside <laughs> and then all the troublesome stuff. Okay. Yep, going exactly. home. Yeah, some of those the people, they, they say, right, when they make their hobby their career, they enjoy it a little less. Yeah. Right? Like, I I mean, I, I absolutely love being in this business partially, or I guess I would say mainly because of the people. Uh, it's just, the people are amazing. It is a people business. Yeah, Yeah, it's 100% a people business. At the same time, I talk to connoisseurs and I'm like, yeah, I don't really go home and read about this stuff as much (laughs) as they do (laughs) because it's my daily job, right? Um, But I wouldn't trade my industry for the world. But you have hope. I mean, there's second careers all the time. There's the... Retire and then start up a distillery. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know if you follow Cocktail Wonk, big fan of By the Dutch, but I believe he was in IT tea until recently and he just mm. published his first tiki book i have heard of that i did uh yeah. to remember if it was an article i read somewhere or if it was just on social media but um i did i did hear about that yeah. mostly because of the it it was just right. such a big change for my yeah. it's actually very very common for people to work through whatever their retirement plan is and reach that point and then they start a, a second career later on in life and and of course, if it's if you reach your stabilization when it's your your second career on that level, then you know you could do it in a fashion where you're not worrying about the finances as much. So maybe you're just destined to be a writer and a cocktail person, and uh, not a writer, a speaker and a <laughs> co- <laughs> cocktail creator. <laughs> but that's all I got. Do you guys have any other questions? I mean, I feel like I was asking a lot of questions. I'm sorry if no, I was just talking no, about it. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 I just want to say thank you for what you guys do, spending the time, come in and and help us out. So it's good. It's good to have you on too. Thank you. I appreciate the last minute, almost no that you gave me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It just popped in my head. I was supposed to be working, and then I just thought about this. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it worked. It's great. And I think this we've recorded more episodes in the last like three, four weeks yeah. than we have in the last year. Yeah, we, uh, we're we doubling down. We're renewing our efforts to try to 
make this like, you know, I don't know, a consistent podcast. Yeah. I have so. about a hundred more products to for material for you. Done. <laughs> you, you provide it and we will New talk sponsor. about it. Sounds New sponsor like of right. mainly like unknown category. That's right. <laughs> I sponsor with alcohol. That's all. That's fine by me. Yep, that's <laughs> all, all we need. So, uh, well, thanks again, Yos. And thank you to you, Nikki, for both being here. You guys are the ones that traveled. Um, and yeah, it was great. Great so having you. Great. Next time you have a Dutch drink, just call it a little bit of Dutch courage. That's right. Thanks to that. I liked the little Dutch courage. Uh, you, the reference, I think it's, it's online a Dutch too. Touch too. Oh yeah. The Dutch cut touch and the Dutch courage, how they had it before they went into battle. For yeah. A little to be bit. more, more brave yeah. in the battle. It was actually used as medicine. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. We call we used to call it liquid courage, but I'm going to tell everybody it needs to be the, the Dutch, Dutch touch courage. or Dutch courage. Yeah, I like it. All, All right. right. Well, thanks to everybody here for being here. Thanks for um, across the pond for hosting us. Thanks, Joshua James. Um, any uh, questions, comments, concerns? Uh, well, let me start with you guys. I don't. If you feel free to plug away if you want. Uh, if there's, you know, somewhere people can reach you. I, again, I know you guys are always like a little bit more behind the scenes, so it's not like you are running out all the time. Like Dinger is uh, to be the face of things, and maybe you don't want people talking to you. I don't know, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, Phil. If this is this is your chance to plug away, if you have any uh, social media or emails or any any way of contacting you. Yeah, for us, uh, social media is, is our main platform to be in contact with any of our customers or people who are having any questions about how to how to drink it. So reach out via Instagram, it's at by the Dutch or Facebook, and yeah, we will answer. Or actually, I will answer. I do <laughs> social media with by the Dutch. So you do it? Yeah, I do oh, it. Awesome. Yeah, and definitely check out the website. There's tons oh, yeah. of stuff. Yeah. You will not be disappointed. You'll learn and then go to the cocktail section and you will have a lot of good ideas to do some stuff at home. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of my favorite websites because it's the most informative and easy to navigate, which is very it is important. Very, oh, yeah. That, uh, I don't know. The few times I've been on it, when you scroll down and the bottle like transitions, I just, I don't, I really like that. That, <laughs> that part always stood out to me. I, I did it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you, Nikki? Yeah, so uh, I would love to say I have a wonderful social media presence, <laughs> but uh, I do this uh, company with my father, and uh, he gets such joy, like maybe a little two- or three-year-old gets joy when they see something new. So he <laughs> loves it, so at this point in time, he manages it. He also accidentally deleted our company oh, Instagram. No. <laughs> so when he restarted it, there was one picture on it. And then he did a post that says, follow me instead. So at spirits doctor, so spirits plural is my father. And he only really posts mainly stuff about our company. <laughs> um, or you can follow me, Nikki Price, N-I-K-K-I-P-R-E-I-S-S. Um, that the, he really does most of the company stuff. And luckily he did not delete our Facebook, which is <laughs> price imports. <laughs> uh, but we do focus on unique spirits uh, and very niche products, a lot of lost categories. Uh, my family has been in the business of reviving categories. It'll, it'll be 60 years in 2021 in America. Nice. Uh, so, uh, 
always lots of hard work and uh, super appreciative uh, because the people we represent ends up feeling like family, right? Like we're all working together to build a life that helps each other. Um, and that's the beautiful part. If you buy a bottle um, from Pacific Edge, which is also a small family company um, or a, a small retailer as well, um, you're helping support that family. And that's what is really important to me is that everybody in the chain is taken care of. It's not some big company, um, which those are great. Somebody had to start that too. Uh, and a lot of times those help open up categories, but we really, you really are helping somebody feed their children when you support these small companies and help these revival of the great spirits. That's what we're about, or at least me. Well <laughs> If you ever have any questions for us uh, or any that you want, we can pass along um, at always parched. Uh, no, well, at always parched for uh, Instagram and always parched at gmail.com. And then we have a real strong Facebook presence. Very strong. <laughs> always parched. Yeah. So um, if we don't get back to you right away, it's Micah's fault. Yep. So. All right. Well, it's a desert out there. So stay hydrated, kiddos. And thanks again, everybody. Cheers. 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 Clink, clink, I'm having more Whoa. of this. So snowball. No, I shouldn't because I'm on the weird mic. Oh. So what is that going to do for this? Anything? You sh yeah, you'll hear me, but just in case it doesn't work. Oh, okay. All right. I nominated oh. myself for the least important voice right now. Mm. We have Almendinger here. He's kind of our resident expert because Micah and I... Uh, we've only obviously briefly met, but Mike and I are both home bartenders. And you and I have just briefly met? Yes. Mike what do you call Mike. the last 15 years, man? <laughs> Blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It was college.